Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of our enlightening podcast on clinical data management. I'm your host Daniel Schwartz and once again I'm joined by my co-host from the Institute of Biostatistics and Analysis, Matej Ivan. Hey everyone, it's fantastic to be back here with Daniel and today's episode is particularly special as we have a distinguished guest joining us who has been making waves in both academia and clinical research. And what's really exciting is that his company, CEOR, has been utilizing our EDC system, ClearIS, for his studies. They made the switch from OpenClinica over two years ago, as far as I know. And as a data manager, I'm quite eager to find out how the transition has been and hear what our guest thinks about our flagship product, ClearIS. That sounds a bit like a product placement from the Institute of Biostatistics and Analysis, but fair enough. Now let's shift our focus to our guest, and I'm really thrilled to introduce an expert in clinical research who is also an inspiring figure in academia, Dr. Alesh Tichopat. Alesh, welcome to the show. Hi, gentlemen. It's nice to be with you today. Welcome to the Clinical Data Management Podcast Show by the Institute of Biostatistics and Analysis. Hear from leading experts in clinical research, digital health, biostatistics, informatics and data science as they share their insights and valuable experiences. From clinical research to data science and more, our guests share best practices that will help you score So tune in to the CDM Podcast Show by IBA and join us for discussions that will surely make your day. Alex, before we delve into the captivating topics we have lined up for today, could you please give our listeners a brief overview of your background? We would love to hear about your journey in clinical research and maybe also in academia. Okay, so my background is in biology and biostatistics. I'm actually a trained biologist who worked a lot with statistics and large data. Uh, my background then shifted a bit more to clinical research as I work for two international clinical research organizations in Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, thereafter, I had the great opportunity to found my own company with my colleague of mine, Igor Gembula. And the company has later on became a part of Kantar Health Organization, which is an international research (coughs) firm that actually consists of plenty of independent, more or less independent companies. Mm -hmm. We have been involved in clinical research as well as late phase research. That is anything ranging from real world evidence studies based on questionnaires for doctors to patient questionnaires, patient forms and uh, eventually we moved to analyzing large-scale data from payers and and, and and registries. So now I work for a university, which actually makes me quite happy to pass my knowledge further to other people uh, who are my students today. Fascinating. You mentioned real-world data, and I think that this is something that CEO and IBA share a kind of passion for real-world data. What inspired you to make the transition from early stage clinical research to the later stages and to contribute specifically in the field of real world evidence? I think this is often referred also as a gray zone of clinical research. 
the, the transition from clinical research to real-world evidence research or real-world data research actually was more of an evolution of the company that I, that I founded in 2006, mm-hmm. uh, which is CEOR. Uh, clinical research is a highly competitive area, and there are companies that are large, well-established, and it's very very hard to compete in this field. So real-world evidence or, or the late-phase research has at that time been much more accessible for small startups, smaller entities, even individuals skilled in the area. And uh, we more and more recognize the opportunity is in this field rather than uh, establish clinical research burdened by a lot of, lot of regulations. Uh, of course, there were, there were also burdens, uh, mainly in terms of uh, grasping the, the, the data, getting, getting uh, access to the data that we need, and, uh, or collecting large-scale data from doctors. Okay, uh, thank you for sharing. I'm happy you steered smoothly to uh, the introduction of your company, CEOR. Uh, I understand that CEOR is not only a market research company, uh, but also involved in data science, as you mentioned. Uh, so could you please shed some more light into your uh, team's work at CEOR? We have several lines of business. Uh, the most significant right now is actually a market intelligence that is all about capturing data from doctors, understanding, telling us about how they inter- interact with representatives of pharma industry. That's actually a little bit of old school product, but we still see that it's uh, that is that it's needed by the companies to drive their business decisions and communication. But beside that, the more and more uh, growth in, uh, in uh, uh, the, the growth we see in the company is more and more in the areas of real world evidence and health economics, basically compiling evidence from, uh, from the real world use of drugs and medical technologies, uh, not only in Czech Republic, but actually in a couple of different countries around and uh, that is something that more and more also the pharma requires to populate the uh, argumentation, the communication with regulators, with the real data, with evidence rather than beliefs and, and thoughts. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's again more of an adoption of a trend that is there than any particular decision to switch the business to a different different area or different field. So we just go with the flow of the trend and uh, and adopt what, what the clients need from us. And what they need is uh, data evidence. They yes. need evidence based on big, big, big data, exactly. Okay, and, and the first product that was uh, rather more on the market research, this is based on interviews with doctors or on uh, questionnaires? It's actually based on standardized questionnaires mm-hmm. that ask the doctor to provide information about the interactions with sales reps, with mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with the, about conferences they visited, any kind of interaction they had with a particular medical product, and all, out of this we compile a complex picture of what drives basically decisions of doctors to use this or that product for this or that uh, indication or disease. So we try to map the complex landscape that 
that actually influences to some degree doctor's decision. Of course, that's not the only influence, at least I hope, the doctors base their decision on, by the, but, but it's still a significant influence that at least pharma wants to believe is, is, is important to have a certain control over. And we also see that this can be a very much of a positive effect because these, 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 these touch points the doctor actually interacts with can deliver a lot of essential information that is not always available to busy doctors who don't always have time to read the latest uh, papers and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, really very interesting because also with other guests who are participating in our podcast show, we have been discussing the significance of data. One guest even mentioned that data is everything or data is capital. And maybe for you as someone who has extensively contributed to data analysis software in the past and now uh, your company is uh, visible in the market with uh, clinical data. So could you share your perspective on the importance of data in relation to tools and maybe also to people? Because in the field where data is invaluable, what role do you see for people, particularly data managers, because our podcast is for and about data managers? Honestly, I actually wish that the role was as little as possible and all was automated because we all know how hard it is to get the right uh, data managers on board. Mm -hmm. So getting as much as possible independence from data managers would be actually a well-deserved dream for us. But uh, the, re the, the reality is slightly different. We, of course, need uh, skilled data managers. But uh, fortunately for us, the, the tools we use can handle a great deal of the data management uh, by the, by the, by the built-in uh, routines. And, uh, and, uh, and there's a lot of automatism that we actually make a good use of, be it the promo monitor or other systems we use. But yes, we, we definitely rely on data managers and we actually have an, uh, freelancers working for us as, 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 to whom we try to re outsource this, this business because we never have enough own data managers on board and the tasks are increasingly more and more complex today, especially in, 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 in actually preparing data from real-world research studies where the questionnaires are often complex or the data comes from sources that, has not been, that have not been originally designed by us, but they, have been, they, they even serve different purposes and we have to reshape the data or get the data to a new shape that actually addresses our objectives. Okay, so we still need the people. I think that Matej is happy about that because he's serving as a data manager. What do you think? Exactly. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, it should be, yeah. <laughs> I almost couldn't resist to jump in and ask you if you don't think that we are needed for ensuring the data quality and integrity because that is something I think no artificial intelligence, no GPT can ensure. I don't know what ChatGPT or other uh, AI tools will sooner or later do with our data. Uh, I still feel much more comfortable if I know there are two human eyes seeing and, and, and analyzing the data, at least on the first level. And then I rather still prefer to trust the supervised statistics than AI because we play with AI a lot. We actually try to engage it in some of our, uh, I would say, uh, homebred uh, analysis. And uh, 
what comes out is still something that needs a lot of tailoring and a lot of understanding. So for me, it's still a black box. With the data managers uh, in in CR, I can speak and ask how they did what I see. Okay, great. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> and uh, so now we can shift our focus to tools and systems from data managers and people. Uh, we know that CR uses Clade.is, which I'm happy to mention again, uh, as it's a uh, data capture system, uh, the EDC system. And uh, I'm often in contact with your data managers, consulting on their needs. Uh, I understand that previously your team has used various EDC systems. And uh, now, how do you feel about our beloved Clade.is? Uh, is this the product you see your team sticking with? We believe we will stay with Clyde quite for some time more because it actually addresses all the needs we have quite well. Mm -hmm. uh, we indeed have tried various other providers, but uh, one thing to say uh, uh, right now is these products were not originally designed for uh, real-world evidence. It was more products that were supposed to be flexible for any kind of data capture from from either market research or, or clinical research or anything else but in fact i could see that it was produced by individuals who did not really have their hands on a real clinical research or reward evidence research in a medical field so that that is the high level impression i have from clyde is that it, this has been designed by people who know what the research is about yeah, and that also that translates yeah. yes and that also translates to the experience my colleagues make using it in real studies yeah i appreciate that and maybe uh, one small follow-up can you elaborate on how clade.is has improved the efficiency of your team's data management processes compared to the previous platforms you mentioned it actually speeded up the intermediate step from extracting the data and shaping them into uh, into databases useful for statistics so the export is more or less straight straightforward and produce the, the the data the data sets produced can go directly to biostatisticians assuming there are no query issues that we have to actually address with doctors that that has not been the case with the tools we had before because the data was often extracted in forms that did not clearly distinguish between types of variables mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we always had to do a lot of lot of adjustment for the formatting of the data uh, distinguishing uh, numerical data from from string data and so on yeah, uh, from our previous chatting, I also remember that you mentioned that uh, one of the advantages of Clade.is is the ability for project managers to build studies without much coding. Is that, uh, is my understanding good or uh, could you share some specific examples of how this? Yes, that's, that's what I remember from the very early setup of the first study where we still were in closely in touch with you. I think the routine now is that uh, my colleagues are just, just, just taking and using it without thinking too much about how to do it because they have built the skill already. But my, my impression from the beginning indeed was that the, that the setup uh, tool, the wizard to basically get the, quest, the, the CRFs in the shape we need 
is pretty straightforward and the, the, required a minimum of introduction and has been well adopted by my team. I'm not myself involved in this, so I, I cannot really be objective telling you or I can't objectively tell you this is this is superior to other systems. And this is definitely superior to the systems we had before and uh, much more superior to our own system that is rather archaic uh, at these days. We don't use it anymore, but it's certainly, certainly much more advanced. We can definitely see that you, you build your system on an experience you made from other clients and you get a lot of feedback that has never been our case because our own system that is, as I'm saying, very much outdated today, could just be built on our own experience and has definitely it cannot match what you what we what we now can can handle with 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 clade so to sum it up uh, you're sticking with it because it's easily operated by your people and that it's uh, flexible and versatile it can be used for many types of studies and that we build it uh, ourselves and we are not a software house but a team of experts in in the clinical field Where do you feel on the Clade IS that uh, this is uh, this, this system has been built by clinical professionals? Is there a particular part uh, or setting that makes you feel this? It's definitely the the wizard to build the, the forms. So the, the forms, the questionnaires for doctors are very clearly uh, designed to address clinical parameters that are common in clinical research or any kind of re medical research. That is that is that is very obvious, and it actually points at the experience you made yourself, and that you're actually grasping inspiration from your own research. I must also say one more other thing: that, that one reason why we really like it is also that it's that it's that the price is reasonable, and there are often systems that are that are not really offer, offering a substantial improvement over. Uh, the competitors, but they are much more expensive. So your your, your system uh, provides a very very reasonable. The, the benefit one gets for this price is actually can can hardly be matched. And we made a we made a thorough survey of the tools available, and uh, it was not just the price, but it was also the price that actually makes it affordable. Wow. That's uh, really uh, nice from you, Alesh, and uh, thank pleases our yeah, ears <laughs> thank you for uh, for sharing these insights uh, from C or uh, how you are using Clayteis. And this is now end of the product placement. Thank you very much. And uh, let's take a moment to delve into some storytelling. I'm sure with the wealth of experience you have, there have been a few hiccups along the way. You, can you please share any memorable moments where things went a bit sideways due to some data management fuck-ups? We sometimes call it fuck-ups. I think our listeners would love to hear a real-world tale and perhaps learn something from it. I'm not sure this was a, uh, what do you call, fuck up. I think this was just a simple data loss. Mm -hmm. So in a, in, a, in a fairly significant study we had, it was an international study for a well-known uh, large pharmaceutical company, we collected data that, that actually from day one to day two actually got lost on a server. We can't really explain how this 
could be, how this could happen. It's probably somebody just hit the wrong button on his on his keyboard, but data was deleted, and uh, we still hope the data is somewhere, and the data was indeed lost, and the data was collected over several months of a study. Mm-hmm. So this was the most painful uh, experience ever in the in the real conduct of a research. That you, you lose your data. And this was at the very, very early stage where the company was not more than six people. We were a real startup at that time. And these, the, the, the study had to be repeated. Fortunately, we finished the study with some, with some reserve on time. And we could, we, could, we could still, within the next one or two months, repeat and collect some data back and reasonably uh, recure the problem. So that that was something that I don't wish never happen, happens again. And this actually helped us to reconsider the way we work. And uh, later on, we moved to a real, uh, real uh, s- systems that uh, backed up the data, that actually introduced a good clinical practice and stuff like this. But honestly, I tell you, these very, very early days were more of a, of a, of a punk <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it resembled more like a, not well designed, very, very uh, spontaneous data capture by taking a phone, talking to doctors, sending a questionnaire in Word. But this is this is this is back 2006 or seven, something like okay. this. So I always remember these days, and I think that was the moment when we transformed. Yeah, and definitely there were some take home messages from which you learned. Yes, a lot. Indeed. Yeah. Good. I think that this episode is uh, approaching its end if i'm not uh, mistaken but maybe matthew uh, may have one more a final question before we wrap up this conversation yes there is one more and uh, i think that we need uh, to give the floor to alash uh, to share something current or upcoming that you're particularly excited about uh, we heard whispers about a series of meetups titled shedding light into health that you've been organizing. Uh, could you give us a sneak peek into what this is all about and uh, what inspired you to organize such an initiative? Yeah, we speak here about data. So we obviously, as we are sitting here, we all know that data is something very important now to make the right decisions in healthcare, not just for from a perspective of a small businesses or, or companies. Uh, it is more for the whole society an asset that helps to drive better healthcare, and we all are, uh, we, we may be scientists, but we probably time to time and certainly in the future will be patients as well. So we should be all uh, fairly concerned whether the decisions are based on evidence. And as we know, evidence is based or should be based on data. Mm-hmm. So in our country, we have some uh, challenges uh, in front of us that whether the data in its all extent as it is available to the custodians and regulators and uh, healthcare providers in general, whether they are used in the right way to actually drive the maximum decision uh, strength or the, the evidence for the decisions, how to manage and arrange healthcare. And we, would we try in, the, in, these, in this program, or you translate it well as shedding light on a health, is actually to promote 
the, uh, first of all, the idea of maximizing the influence of data on the daily decisions in the healthcare, but also showing how the data should be used, how it should be handled, for instance, with regard to protection of privacy, and actually promoting and spreading the evangelium about how data and why data is so important. And we are happy to see that this is becoming more and more uh, visited by people from industry, but also from state, uh, universities, and it's actually really became a place to meet and discuss some our future uh, with the data. Yeah, that's. I hope you will come. Yeah, yeah. Th thank you for thank you for the invitation. Uh, definitely, uh, I think this is really interesting. And uh, my question is. You said that you are, if I understood it well, the vision or mission of these uh, meetups is to promote the data uh, evidenced uh, decisions. W what's the competitive paradigm here? Uh, if it is not data, uh, are there some ideas or uh, what's the competitive paradigm? Um, I, d I don't really see a, a competitive paradigm here. I rather see this is this is this is a, the the overall idea here is to say well we don't really th th there's probably nobody really doesn't believe that data is important asset to make decisions. It's more that the the, the different sides of these conversation. Uh, are not sharing the same language. They are. There's a lot of call for calls for data requests coming to insurance companies, arriving at the national health uh, information uh, organization. I don't know the English translation to be honest exactly right now. But uh, that's. But but the problem is that those who request the data, they they don't use the right language they often do not realize what the data can and cannot provide and what information can be actually extracted from the data so there is a mismatch between what can what, what is requested and what can be provided and i think we need first of all to to understand some essence of of the of the data science itself of the data uh, matter to be able to actually move the whole uh, the whole to, to actually make a progress in the whole subject so that's that's what what it is about and i don't really see there is an alternative so from the perspective of competitive from a competitive perspective i don't really see there is something else than than a future where data will play a key role in driving decisions and actually informing the high level uh, management and arrangement of healthcare in this country as well as elsewhere yeah, so maybe now I understand it better. So there is no big competition against the data. How could be? But uh, you are trying to um, to explain, or uh, as you mentioned, to provide evangelium to what information can be captured in the data. This is this is university project. So uh, it definitely should feel like university rather than a, a, a company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm pushing pushing the its its commercial interests is there any kind of stakeholders who are uh, or who have fear from data i don't know i don't know whether fear from data it's probably more a concern about that the provision of too much data may of course may, may may cause some harm and certainly mm -hmm. this may be the case if the data is provided 
without respect to uh, privacy protection, for instance. Okay. I think we have delved into data management from the perspective of Dr. Alex Chichopat, a renowned figure in clinical research, an entrepreneur, and an inspiring academician. Alex, I greatly appreciate our collaboration between IBA and CEOR, and I hope that uh, our data management platform, Clade IS, will continue to serve you as well as you described here today. So thank you very much for taking the time uh, to share your wealth of insights with us. Absolutely. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Your contributions in the field of data management and exciting initiatives you are spearheading, like the Shedding Light into Health meetups, are truly inspiring. And we wish you great success in all your endeavors. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good rest of the day. Bye-bye. It was nice talking to you. And of course, a huge thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Whether you are a data manager, data analyst or data engineer, stay tuned for more episodes of this podcast program, which we believe serves as a solid source of inspiration for the clinical data management community. I couldn't agree more, Daniel. It's been great co-hosting this episode with you. Likewise, Matej, I am Daniel Schwartz and alongside me is Matej Ivan and this has been the Clinical Data Management Best Practices podcast program presented by the Institute of Biostatistics and Analysis. Learn from the best and stay tuned. <laughs>